all so much for inviting us. We're going to have a conversation, a conversation that's all about freedom. What I believe is this, for every single man and woman in this house, if you still have breath in your body, the Father who is abundant in all that He is, He still has more for you. Anybody reaching up to grab that? I believe that what the Father has declared about you, you won't just know it by mental ascent, that even through the conversation we have tonight, you will grab a hold of it in your heart, and by activation, you will begin to walk that out in every single room you walk in. Anybody making a declaration to do that? He's only asking for another yes. And so that's what this conversation of permission will be about tonight. My prayer is that every person in this room, your heart will be filled. The Father said to me as I was praying for this house particularly, that refreshing was coming through tonight. That anybody that was in need of anything, that they wouldn't just get peace, they would get overflowing peace. That they wouldn't just get joy, they would get joy bountifully. Whatever you came in need of, I'm praying for the wind of God to blow in this place and that your life will never recover from this destined moment. There are moments in time that mark our lives and I believe that tonight is one of those nights. If you believe it and you have expectation, can you give Jesus some praise? Let's get started. Sister? Beautiful woman of God yes, over here. Dr. Jackie and, uh, and um, just... It's, a, it's just an honor to have you here. It's also the honor to have your other half, you know, your better half over here. <laughs> and, and to see you operate together is such an awesome role model for, mm. for our church family to see, my own children to see. Wow. And I just commend that, and I honor that, and I honor any man that can get behind his woman <laughs> um, and set her up for what I believe is a destined moment in mm. your life. So we're just honored to have you here. Thank you for visiting our students today. Students, can we give a shout out that Travis Green came to your school? Like we needed your picture on the wall to say you had been there. But we're just, we're just so honored you stopped by. So let's just jump right into this. So we've, we've been saying this word permission. Yes. Um, but Dr. Jackie, why don't you tell us a little bit about what this is permission for? What made you sit down and write a book called Permission? And, and what is that message to everyone in this room? I do want to say before we jump in and I answer that question that this is going to be a real conversation. And so if you have questions as the incredible Wallace family is pouring out and as we share tools or tips, if you have a question, they have a number on the screen. Be sure that you text in whatever your question is because we're going to have dialogue with you all. Um, but as it pertains to this idea of permission, Pastor Devin, I don't believe that there's any ministry that is more powerful than the ministry you've actually lived through. What births the ability for you to have passion and compassion for uh, the people that are struggling through a thing is what you've actually lived through yourself. Yeah. I lived a life for a long time where I struggled with the temptation because of things like my daddy abandoning me and walking out. Because of things like uh, dealing with perfectionism, believing that if I get it all right and I cross every T and dot every I, for those that don't know, I am a dentist by profession. And so that whole professionalism, um, they tell you if it's not all perfect, then it's not good enough. And it started to indoctrinate me to believe that if I couldn't do it perfect, then it wasn't good enough to do. So I fought for a long time having to get over these inadequacies, whether it was I end up having two chemicals put in my hair, the trauma of my hair being messed up, telling me that I was messed up. And I believe that that's so true for people in the room tonight. Maybe it wasn't uh, two chemicals put in your hair, but it was the absence of a father or absence of somebody that loved you walking out. I believe that there are things that we will go through in life that will tempt us to believe that because this happened to us, then we are what we've experienced. We are the molestation. We are the rape. We are uh, the person that went through this financial setback. And the father came to help me understand, Pastor Devin, that irrespective of what I went through, it wasn't who I was. That despite what I experienced, that there was a father that would sing the song of the Lord over me. And even like the prophetic name of this house, he would redeem and buy back my purity. That although I lost my virginity early because I was searching for something that I lost, he could be that and more. Because even though I went to a place thinking I would find it, I found emptiness and voidness that could never satisfy. Wow. So the message of permission really is 
to challenge a person to make the decision because it is a choice that you have to make daily over and over again. It's not a one time you graduate. Oh, today I gained permission. It's a daily getting up again and making a decision to say that I will be not do. I will be precisely and fully who the father created me to be. And nothing that happened in my life can take that from me. It's so profound for me and so real to my heart to understand that there was a God that was singing the song of the Lord and his love would stay right there. Even when I chose wrong, his love was still right there for me. And I want to just share that out loud for every person in the room that feels like what they've gone through has counted them out. What they have experienced has said that they're not enough. That they will always remember that before they were anything else, that they were God's sons and daughters. And if they keep that... If they have that as an anchor, they'll be able to do everything that he created them to do. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So this, this word permission, as it has pertained to your life, it sounds like your testimonies all through the book, but this is for you. This is for Pastor Travis to jump in. How does this word affect your home? You know, when, when I think of permission, I have six kids. Yeah. I think, okay, someone grants permission. 72 kids. We have 72 <laughs> kids. That means someone has authority to give that permission. Mm. And then we also have the authority, you know, we can choose to defy that authority or not obey that permission. But, but you as a mom, yeah. you as a father, getting that revelation yourself, how does that change it for your house and your children? Just for married couples out there, parents in the room, why do they need this revelation for their whole house? I think so often uh, we go into things like becoming a mother or a father looking to be validated in a certain way. So I have to perform and do all these different tasks in order to be valued. What I understood as I gained and received the song of the Lord, that irrespective of what I did, that I was already loved, that no matter if I have a bad day and I scream at the kids because I ran out of energy or they were a little on, they were on the last nerve that I had left. I understood that when I don't get it right, that I'm still loved and I'm able to give that same truth to my kids that as they are growing older as they are learning and coming even to the knowledge of Holy Spirit and the Father that they're not working their way into being good enough I'm already reminding them because of me first receiving and then being able to give what I receive that son irrespective of if you do good on this test or not you already are everything that the Father said about you and it liberates you to live from a place of freedom not working to try to find something that you already have and so I believe it opens the door why to actually live a life of grace and a life of ease to be taught of the Lord and not always looking and searching in all these different areas to gain that it's helped me to live in freedom for real I think mm -hmm. I think once you accept it then you can have authority with it mm -hmm. you know my boys they're not bad they're energetic <laughs> um, and they, they get their energy from their mom and before she right. <laughs> Because y'all can see that. Before she asked me to marry her and to right. have kids. Mm -hmm. uh, um, All that happened. None of that happened. But um, there's, there's one of my boys in particular. He's so funny. He's the middle one. Travis <laughs> Jr. I call him Man. Champ. He act just like me. And, um, you know, when you have permission, it gives you a little swag. And Champ, we'll tell Champ to do something. And he'll go on the top of the steps and yell, Jace, get upstairs now. <laughs> and Jace will ignore him because Jace is two years older than him. Jace, I said, get upstairs now. And Jace will ignore him. But then the third time he'll say, Jace, daddy said, get upstairs now. And as long as he was talking in his own power and his own authority, nothing was shifting. Sure. But when he used my name, mm -hmm. he understood that then what he desired adjusted uh, to his voice. And um, the reason he can speak with that authority is because he accepted yeah. first the authority that was given to him. And he had to have permission for anything to obey him. And I think that's the, really the revelation that my wife is sharing. That once you accept the permission that you've already given, you have that, that champ swag on your shoulder. Yes, you will. And there's a lot of things that you've been tolerating uh, that you can speak to in his name. And, and, and the the truth is you have permission to do it. He's already granted you permission in his wow. word. And um, so this is a reminder to return to who you actually are, to use his name and his authority to call those things that are not as though they are. And so I love the message and I love just seeing it. I, I mean, I've been with her since she was 19. So to even see her evolution and what God is doing in her life and her continuing to elevate, there's nothing in my life that makes me prouder than to see that. But it's first something she had to receive from God for herself.
And I do believe that that is the power of this whole idea. The more I have understood that in Genesis 1 and 26, the Bible talks about that he makes us in his image in his likeness but this was the part that got me to be like him it's his actual why behind the reason that he made us that way it wasn't just to look like a thing but to be like a thing and he is creative so many times I would say I'm not creative enough or I don't have enough intuition or um, or ingenuity but the father the one that created everything from nothing he called me in his image and likeness to be like him and so when I step into a room that I've never been in I understand that the God that goes before me has gone in it and so I walk differently like he tells Joshua he doesn't tell Joshua Joshua go and do this thing or take territory because you're so great he says go do this because I'll be with you and I think understanding that it changes the narrative it changes the way you walk in the room it changes uh, the fact that you won't hold back even in a classroom that you might feel a little intimidated by um, you'll recognize that Jesus is in here with me and because he's with me I have everything I need and I want to just kind of speak to that and even throw that back to you you all um, as a family who is living in wealth and I don't mean just financially I mean that the joy of the Lord the redemptive nature of who God is is shining in and through everything I mean you think about a man and a woman that set something in motion where they desired to create a place where it was abounding in love the Bible talks about that they would know us by, by his love. And this was the thing that you all have declared that you wanted your church to be marked by. You have not only said that you wanted to do it in the four walls in the context of people coming in on a Sunday, but you wanted to create a school where people could be trained and understand practically how to be who God has called them to be. You go further to create a place where people can, at one cup at a time, be able to give life back to women that may have had life stripped from them mm. through a cafe and even through the Genesis house. I don't understand how we can understand in full without you sharing that that might not have been how your story started. That might have been some hurdles along the way that may have held you back from owning your permission in full. Can you talk about some things that you had to step over in order to own all these amazing things that we're able to share about you now? Because I think many times people think that it just automatically happened. No, I think as you share your story, it hits my heart, and I think it pulls the strings on many hearts that we share. It's a journey, and I would say that to all the students in the room, it's a journey. We don't come out of the womb with everything that we need. Right. So true. Um, and I think the greatest hurdle to overcome, I mean, I'm sure you're going to share more about this, is fear, is Ooh. insecurity, and why it is such a common denominator for all of humanity when we create that for one another. Um, it's fear and insecurity. And, and then once you realize um, that you really are made in his image, he yes. really has spoken to you, he's really put his hand on you, that your life is really uh, risk-free yeah. when you're walking with him, um, it will cause you to step out in confidence and do things that fear robs you from. Mm. Um, and so I would say uh, just actually getting a revelation that the Lord loves me mm. and that I don't have to bow to fear yes. um, is what unlocks creativity and locks all all those things. What did you say, Kev? Yeah, um, there's a reason. I, I don't think confidence is the fruit of a person looking within and saying, I have within me that. everything it takes. I think confidence comes from hearing the Lord say things over you and to you that makes you feel like I can storm hell with a water pistol Woo! and win, right? For instance, Jesus had not healed a blind man, deaf man, raised a dead man. He had not turned water into wine. In Matthew's gospel, the third chapter, he comes up out of the water and the father says something. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the question comes to me, he's not done anything, so to speak, that would make a father proud. There's no production. There's no doing. How can you say this is my son and he pleases me when he's not done anything to prove anything? And there's something in that that gives Jesus the courage to lay hands on blind people, to lay hands on deaf people, to speak to deaf ears and him believe it's going to happen, not because he did it to get the father's approval. He did it because he had the father's approval and the permission of the father to be 
everything the father had intended to be and i think this message of permission cannot be convoluted by people in the secular world we are not talking about we're giving permission to people he gave permission to you now as a spiritual father and mother you and I and Devin and I, we can speak to in an agreement with what yes. the Father has declared and tell sons and daughters in the kingdom, you have permission to be you. Yes. But the permission at the end of the day comes from a father who doesn't wait on you to show him how awesome you are. He loves you just like you are. And out of him loving you just like you are, you become everything he called you to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that, that all of this, just thinking of our own journey, like you asked us about, um, kind of leads me to something I would love to hear you share on, and, and Pastor Travis, you can jump in also. Um, and it, it's, it's what Kevin just signaled to. He, he used that language, spiritual mother and father, and granting permission. And I heard you, you say in your story, you know, that there were definitely dad issues, you know, there were... There are issues in life and, and looking at my own life and where insecurity and fear comes from. Going back to the garden, I'm glad we've said yeah, yeah, this like yeah. 10 hundred times already, that <laughs> um, that's part of the curse for women. So yes. we're going to speak to women, but you gentlemen are going to help us all get set free. <laughs> you know, that, that Eve and Adam, they walked in such a unity, their name was one, mm -hmm. and part of the curse was their relationship changed. And, you know, without going into a huge Bible study, we know that Eve's desire turned to him. And he was given somewhat of an authority to identify her at that point. Before he didn't. But at that point, he was given authority to shape her identity. Yes. And, he, and he named her something that was production-oriented. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. It's what she could produce was her name. And then we know Jesus came and he broke that curse. Before he got off the cross, he took the spear in his side. Blood, water flowed. He, he, he purged in the curse from woman. But it seems like so many women still live under it. And I think what I want to address is daughters, women in the room who their fathers, their husbands, former relationships, men in their life have not granted permission, yeah. robbed permission, robbed security, robbed confidence. How did you overcome that? What would you say to a woman in the room right now that they see your story and you're like, yeah, but, you know, that's not for me. You yeah. don't know what I deal with at home or how I was raised or what happened to me. How do we get up out under that curse mm. to God being the one who can give us permission when others don't? Love the question. I am a product of being able to say, God, no more will I heal what you desire. To, no, no, no longer will I hide what you desire to heal. So I think it first starts with being honest being no longer afraid to say that I actually am dealing with inadequacy. I'm actually dealing with fear. No longer am I going to say that my husband doesn't give enough vision for me. No longer am I going to say that I don't have enough support. I'm going to be honest about the fact that I'm a little afraid if I step out here that I might fail. And in the place of vulnerability with the Father, which is how you begin to overcome, you actually say that this is what I'm dealing with and you go to a God of truth that can give a greater truth. He's not afraid to heal what you what you are true to reveal and I have made a decision that no matter what I experience no matter if I feel a little timidity I understand through the word of God that he didn't give me a spirit of fear but a power love and a sound mind and as I grab a hold to that truth and I don't mean it in a way that it's like oh yeah I heard God talk about I wasn't given a spirit of fear I'm saying that there are moments that I have to fasten my heart to the truth of what God has said I have to make a decision that I'm going to abide in a place of prayer and not just to say oh I read my you version today like I didn't just read one verse today I'm going to read the word of God until it reads me I'm going to stay in a place where Maybe I might have to lay for hours for him to say the same thing over and over again to break the lie, to break the thing that I've been believing for, oh, uh, you know, year after year after year. It was in the place of abiding where I said, God, I'll abide right here. I'll stay connected to something that's stronger than me. I'll believe you when you say that your grace will be enough for me. When I got my journal out and I began to write, man, God. Uh, not having my father to speak identity over me, it really left me void. But I, I see in your word you say that you, not, you won't just be Lord, you'll be daddy. You'll be Abba for me. And you'll speak over me and you'll remind me and you'll tell me these amazing things. The only reason I'm here today, the only reason I came to Chattanooga to invite you all into a place where you can receive from the father is simply because God told me to. 
And so in a place of abiding, you'll find yourself in a position where the only answer you have is yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I'll trust you and I'll obey. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. When my flesh wants to deny you, my heart already said yes. yes. I have been fully persuaded by making the decision to daily set a time and a place practically. I believe that there's so many people out there continuing to struggle with the same thing because we just haven't made enough time for God to speak more than the world has spoke, for God to speak more than the trauma has spoke, for God to speak more than the daddy who has spoke this word curse over, curse over you has spoke, for God to speak more than the husband that left has spoke. He needs to speak louder than our circumstances because there is a truth that he speaks over you that will really set you free because whom the son sets free is free indeed and he's asked us to no longer be entangled again with yokes of bondage and slavery but you won't remember that if you don't stay close you might know it in a moment this moment right here might inspire you like yeah I'm gonna be bold enough to go do the thing that God told me and it's so easy to be indoctrinated again to believe I gotta work really hard to do another thing and he says before you did a thing I chose you before you did a thing I saw you before you did a thing I knew you I called you my own and that's what makes you valuable so if the job goes away guess what I still call you mine if the job goes away I'm Jira and I'll provide I want every woman and man in this room to understand that he has everything we need and he doesn't have it in a little amount. He has it in abundance. But you will not remember that and live it out in a way that it shows up in rooms you walk in without staying daily. God, I rise every day to remember the access you granted me by being a son, by being a daughter. The way we walk out permission and understanding that access has already been granted, whether my teacher sees it, whether my husband sees it, whether my family agrees, is by abiding in the presence of the Lord because he will walk with you and he will talk with you and he will remind you of the thing that is so easy to forget. That's how I started to walk out permission. I made a decision to live a life of permission. It's not a thing you do one day. It's a daily choice every day to get up over and over again and make space for him to teach you about who he created you to be from the beginning. My heart is stirred so much as you're talking. When I actually came in the back room, came in hot with two children, uh, Rick Smith came to me and said, this is your type of woman. She's been on her face back there <laughs> before oh. praying. And I think it's really important um, just to, to highlight what you said. I just want to make sure everybody got it. Yes, ma'am. That confidence comes through your prayer closet. It does. And identity comes with being face-to-face -to, -face to him. Yes. And hearing truth it doesn't stop there. You said you prayed until that truth got in you, until those lies broke. And so, you know, I don't know if you want to expound a little bit more on your prayer life or give some practical tools for the people listening that we hear sermon after sermon, but sometimes we don't go home and, and learn how to apply. If they, if they read your book, what do they take to the prayer closet? And how did you overcome and see that freedom come mm -hmm. through intercession? Something that I, I like to call that time of intercession, I love to call the prayer room this dressing room. Just go with me metaphorically. When you go into a dressing room, you go in to try on something new. You go in to take off something. You go in to strip off shame. You might have said, this is old and I'm sick of it. You might have said that I'm sick of suffocating on my words. You might have said as a man, I'm sick of trying to have it all together and be provider and to be Superman for my family. And he invites you into a place where you can actually take that stuff off. You can actually unrobe and say, I'm a son and I don't know how. King of Kings, can you show me how you do it? You, you can go in and say, I don't know. And he'll say, but I know. Will you listen to me? I'll teach you. Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. And what I want you to understand is a yoke is a working device. Many people think when he talks about giving us rest, it means doing nothing. I, I make 
a statement that is contrary to that. You'll do more with less when you take his yoke. This working device where you hit yourself together with the king of kings. And you say, God, if you go with me, I'll do it. But I won't do one thing without you yoked together with me. If you show me how to carry this heavy load, I'll do it. Because I trust that you'll be with me in every step. And even though it might be heavy, I understand that you created a device. Because a yoke for a farmer was this custom-made device that would allow you to carry something that might be heavy but carry it with ease in the prayer room where many people are in the world feeling like I gotta get up every day and the early bird gets the worm and I gotta grind and strive and prove God is saying don't prove lay it down and I'll show you how take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am gentle and humble in heart and I will give you rest for your soul you know what I believe because of what I've experienced, anxiety melts away in the time of coming into the dressing room. This is something that is so divine about a dressing room. Although you take a whole bunch of stuff off, you do not walk out naked. He will reclothe you again with righteousness. He will reclothe you again with identity. He will reclothe you again with power. He will reclothe you again with things that you didn't even know were available. And all you had to do was walk in. All you had to do was walk into a place where a God that knew everything about you from the very beginning. He says, before I formed you, I knew you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. He is so intimately concerned and knowledgeable about every single fiber of your being. Every cell is known by him. Every hair on your head is known by him. When you walk into that dressing room like a great Taylor, he will fit you and he will side you and he will cut away anything that doesn't look like him and you'll walk out looking like it's all you because you were made and fashioned in a way that only he could do it. My invitation practically is simply to come. So many of us, oh, what peace we often forfeit, oh, what needless pains we bear, all because we don't carry it. We don't go into the place where he is. We don't take it to the Lord in prayer. And so I'm just saying, I believe that no matter if you're 50 or you're 10, that God can start to teach you about yourself simply by coming. And what that has looked like for me practically is I would go in and sometimes I'll just turn on worship. And so many people believe that they don't hear the father. He says his sheep knows his voice and he knows them. And no other voice will they follow. There are times you'll lift up worship and a, a word like peace will jump out at you. And you don't recognize that. And that's him speaking to you. He's saying, I'll give you peace. And he'll show you in the word. He'll highlight things in. He will allow you to understand even more better uh, what he's saying for you in this season. I can't tell you, but I can't even tell you how many times I went to the father. And he said over and over again, Pastor Devin, daughter, you need to learn how to rest. Over, I mean, well, daddy, I came back for a different word today. He just said rest because he wanted me to learn to get away from striving and learn that before I did a thing that he had already accepted me. And so he'll just say it over and over again. And before you know it, you know, you'll start to believe what you hear all the time. And so that's why I'm saying over and over again, it's not a whole bunch of steps. It's pretty much one. Just keep coming over and over again, and you'll be changed by the thing you come toward. Yeah. When she said, yeah, man, let's clap right there. That's a word. Uh, When she said um, dressing room, the thing that comes to mind for me is David and Goliath. Mm. A lot of people think that the battle was won in the Valley of Ella when he threw the stone. But the the battle was actually won in Saul's dressing room in the tent Uh, because Saul tried to put armor on him. And when you don't understand who you are, you'll accept whatever someone puts on you. And a lot of people are frustrated because you've accepted what was placed on you. A lot of people are weary and fatigued because you've accepted labels and titles and uh, things that were placed on you. But I love David's response. He said, I got to take this off because I haven't tested it. Jesus. And he takes it off. And when he takes it off, he's not naked. He, what he was really telling Saul is that God dressed me before I came. And to you, it looks like shepherd clothes, but there's oil in these clothes. Yeah. <laughs> That's been tried. <laughs> because in the chapter before Goliath, Samuel shows up to his house and pours oil to him. So David walked on the battlefield dripping. He came through with something already on him. And that's how things that seem impossible for other people 
are easy for you. The reason you have sweatless victories is because you got an anointing and an oil that you didn't give yourself. That's found, here's the key, in the presence of God. David was already in the presence of God. And he already was granted permission in the presence of God. I love this story so much. I preach about David all the time. My first son, name is David, Jace. Um, because, do you know Goliath was undefeated before he met David? But he didn't know David was undefeated before he met him. It's that for me. And Goliath was used to fighting men, but David was used to fighting animals. And when you are anointed, you'll catch the devil off guard. He won't even know your resume. Some of y'all up in here, you survivors. You don't, come on, I wish you a high five your neighbor and say, I done fought me some things before. I done fought some animals. And I was dressed in the anointing of God. That is the permission that I didn't, give the oil to myself. I didn't ask for it. I didn't beg for it. David was brought from the back of the line and dressed in the armor of God. And so you're not unclothed and you're not naked and you're not forsaken. And I'm going to quit forgotten. preaching. I'm not, I'm never preaching. Oh, again. please come on. After man. that sermon, I'm never I'm preaching done, again. That's a word from the Lord. That's a word from the Lord. Don't let Saul put his armor on yes, you sir. when God's already clothed you in the oil. Somebody receive that and say, amen. I want to ask you something. Um, I watched you from the time I got here, uh, carrying a baby, armed, ready to pray, ready to worship. And there's all these different facets to you. There's one part of the permission story that I don't want to be left out because I think that so often we'll accept one version of ourselves. We'll accept being the wife, but we won't accept being a woman in power. We'll accept being a woman in power, but we won't accept being an entrepreneur. We'll accept one part of us. Yeah. And I want to make sure that everybody in this room understands how it happened for you, right? You are this woman that is carrying all these different mantles because of one, knowing your beloved, knowing your identity from the Father, and because of that, you're able to do all these things. But not only is it what you gain from the Father vertically in this relationship with Him, but it's also this horizontal thing. Many of the things that I'm stepping into, I can tell you for sure, I would not be here without the things in community with my husband, in community with voices that would remind me of what God has said about me. There's no way. You can't live out permission without them being voices that remind you when you want to give up, to remind you when you get weary uh, that you can do it and, what you, and who you've been created to be. Can you speak to how maybe Pastor Kevin or different voices in your life and community have helped you be all that you are? Because the true message of permission is that there's not just one part of who we are, but God wants us to live in fullness in all that he's created us to be. And if we leave part on the table, we're not being all that he's created. Absolutely. Like, we're on the same wavelength. So wow. I was like, I'm going to ask her about the people around her. Okay. Um, and I want all the sons and daughters, moms and dads in the room to hear that. Because each story you just said, there was a Samuel or there was a Saul or, you know, there was some, someone around them that mm -hmm. helps us. My, my girls right now help me not go out of the house looking hideously. You know, they're teenagers. <laughs> yes. They'll say, Mom, I don't wear that. You know, some, someone's always contributing to your image. Yes. And I love that you called your prayer closet a dressing room. And I think most of the time when we go in to take something off, it's because somebody else put it on us. Ooh. Not God didn't. It's, it's the people around us. Mm -hmm. And I can say you have hit the nail on the head uh, for walking in permission. The environment around you absolutely matters. Yes. You know, whether you're Mary and you have a Joseph, you know, that <laughs> it's okay. Or, you know, you, you have a spouse or, or friends around you. The, the opposite, having the wrong people around mm -hmm. you. I'm, I'm guessing has been a big barrier in your life because it has mine. Yes. Um, and the way I said it, the Lord spoke it to me over my own children, is environment is everything. Seed, the word of God is a seed. Seed are words spoken mm. over us. But if a seed is put in the ground, the atmosphere determines if it grows or not. Whoa. You know, I could plant an orange yeah. seed in the back of my yard here in Chattanooga and nothing's going to happen. The seed can actually be a great seed, nothing that is deformed about right. it, but the environment keeps it from growing. Yes. But if I go down to Florida and I plant that orange seed, Same seed. yeah, what was dormant here grows there. Oh and I feel like the Lord really showed me in my own life, the circles I was in, people that I were around would determine whether his word, which was always good. Jesus couldn't always grow and getting in the right environment. And that's not always just yes people either. That's good. That's not always people that say, oh, Devin, you're the greatest. In fact, the greatest growth in my life is the husband or the yes. kids that tell you truth. Yes. And that's what unlocks that seed. So I do think 
that we have to look in our life. If we feel like we're taking more off in the prayer closet than we're putting on, the first thing I would say is what's in my environment? Because God's word is good seed, but the environment, the people around me, what's being said will determine whether that good seed lays dormant or whether it grows. And at the beginning of this year, I preached on relationships okay. and capacity because we always have said, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Okay. Show me your partners and I'll show you your capacity. Ooh. If you want to make sure you don't miss what God has for you, you have to have relationship with people who have room for God to bless you Ooh. and to bless themselves through you. Don't miss this. <laughs> The Bible said God spoke to Peter, I'm yes. about to give you a harvest and yes. a draught of fish. Mm. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, did not know mm. that their connection to Peter was positioning them to fill their own boat with fish. And sometimes permission God gives to people that are... People that, I, that are not even me, but people I'm connected to, when God blesses them, my connection to their life will often cause me to walk in a measure of increase and a measure of blessing that I did not previously have. That happens in our marriage. That happens in relationships. Who are you partnering with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people in this room are living frustrated because you are, you, you are having, it is not a lack of prophetic word over our lives that is causing nothing to happen. It is the short circuit of the word God is speaking Man. because people connected to you actually fear the word of the Lord coming to pass over your life. Jesus. And they're a tad jealous of what God is saying and nervous that God didn't speak to them the same promise when in reality, if you would celebrate the word, God. God gave that person the blessing coming on them is getting ready to come on you. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is the kingdom of God. Psalm 133, Woo! how beautiful it is when brothers and sisters That's dwell together God. in unity. And I could preach that whole thing, but the end of it says, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing. Don't run with anybody who's not in unity with what God has said yeah, yeah, over yeah. your life. If God gave you permission, his yes is bigger than their no. So good. So good. And I do believe that this is the power. <laughs> right. Incredible word. I do believe that this is the power of this movement. I have seen how the contagious nature of a yes, it will start to sprout fires and every single person connected to it. You saw the young man and woman up here worshiping. These are actual sons and daughters of our house. This is not somebody that I'm just randomly calling up the contract to do the thing. I've actually seen the Amon who was leading worship. I've seen the Tony Fresh make a decision that although I might want to please myself, it would be much more pleasing to please the Father. I've seen a man say that even when I felt inadequate, I believe that there's an adequate God speak over them. And they wouldn't have the ability to show forth these truths without somebody going first. And I'm grateful that things and movements like permission, my husband even teaching these things like engage culture and him going, it gave me no other choice but to go. I believe firmly that his yes made room for my yes and my yes makes room for someone else yes and I say this all the time I believe with all my heart that free people free people just like hurt people hurt people and that's what this whole movement is about the movement is about you getting free enough that you can't help but to go tell somebody else. Did you know that there's a man that can free you too? And I believe that you don't just say that with your mouth. You say it with your life. I could tell a man all day long, baby, there's so much greatness in you. And, and go do it the way God told you to do it. But if I don't do it first, she's not going to believe what I say. When I tell her to believe the hype of heaven, I have to believe it first and make a decision to not just start with God, but to stay with them. I'll say this last because I do believe that all of the things that we share will be, it will fall to the ground. It will not bring forth the harvest that God desires it to fall on if the people out here don't take their next step. At the end of the day, all of us have had to step into this next thing that the Father has called us to. And I believe that that's the call for you. Whether it's grabbing this book to gain uh, tips and tools to help you have a God to be able to do the things that the Father told you to do next, or it is getting in community or being a part of this ministry and going forward in the thing that God has said it's so crucial that you don't just hear God say it one day you don't just pray the prayer God show me the next step to start but you ask me how to stay help him 
allow him to help you stay in the vessel and in the vein of what he's begun tonight. My prayer is that you will ask him to activate. Father, what are you asking for me now? Not what you told me back two years ago, but what is the now word you're wanting to do? And how do I keep on doing that thing? How do I get the next thing that you're asking me to do? And as a result, end up living out the fullness of what you said for my life. That's my prayer for this room. My prayer for this room is that you won't just start with the Father, but you'll remain with him, that you'll stay active, that you'll continue to do every single thing that he's called you to do. And as you do it, you'll take 100 people with you. My prayer is that as you gain freedom, that you'll give that same freedom to other people. Anybody receiving freedom in this room? Receive it. Receive it because so many lives connected to you are counting on it. I want to take a few questions because that was is that's what this moment and this night was all about. Making sure that what was in this room was every heart was answered. If you have any questions, I, there's Pastor Keisha. Um, if y'all have any questions for us, we'll take a couple and then we'll let them go. Are you guys enjoying this conversation? Isn't it amazing? Thank you guys for these gems. And so the first question we have, it says, as a teen, I want to step into my calling, but I'm not sure how or even if it's the right thing. Can you speak to them in this very crucial space that they're in? How or even if it's the right thing? I, I found out for uh, that a long time in my life, I was just trying a lot of different things because I didn't know where to find the answer. And for that young teenager, I want you to understand that even like the Bible told Timothy that you're not too young to actually find in the presence of the Lord exactly what he said about you. Many times we start to drive a car not recognizing that for many of us, we are prototypes. That there's no manual or there's no person that's going to be able to tell you. We'll look to mama and mama and daddy might be able to give you a little bit of who you been created to be but I believe with all my heart that God has set in this generation prototypes these original these originals these one-of-a-kind type of people that come once in a lifetime and the only way we find out in full who you were created to be is to go back to the one who created you this God that sits in heaven that speaks in time these answers to problems because that's what we are like he told this woman species that we are suitable helpers he's saying to this young person that's asking this question that I created you on purpose and if I created you with the purpose then clearly I had intention concerning the thing that I created and all you have to do is look back to me the God that created you from the very beginning and I will begin to show you through time spent with me through small groups through being in community with other people my mom would often say if you walk like a duck and you talk like a duck then you might be a duck and you will find and hear many people start to say like man you have such a passion for outreach or you have such a heart to do this thing believe the things that you're hearing about yourself believe uh, these unique burdens I will even say this as a last thing to that person these frustrations and burdens that you have are a clue to who God has created you to be and what he's made you to be an answer to. And so pay attention to the thing that frustrates you, the thing that burdens you, because it's generally a clue to who you've been created to be and what you've been created to be an answer for. That's really good. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So someone else said, what is your advice to someone who fears failure? I am called to write a book and I'm afraid of failing. My God. I think everyone up here wrote a book. Uh, but I was the worst writer of all the books written on this stage. Um, because uh, I, I never, listen, I never started it for fear of failure. And when I was in it, uh, I recognized while I was writing it, I had far more to say than I was, af I was afraid I didn't have anything to say and found out I had more to say than I could write in one book. And here's what I want to tell you. The only failure are the people who refuse to start and attempt what they have a passion for. Even if you fall or make a fool of yourself in the process of doing what you're passionate about, you can never fall backward in the kingdom. You always fall forward. And you always, even when you fail, you learn. And I would just say, start it. Don't wait on the perfect environment. I wrote, the book I wrote in the middle of COVID, in the middle of craziness, Devin was like, what are we writing? We just moved into our house. I mean, it was all kind of craziness going on. You just have to do it. And when God puts something in your belly, start writing it now. And, and it took months. Devin was worse than I was. 
up all hours of the night writing a book, and I'm sure, Dr. Jackie, you can attest to this too. Just start writing. Yep. Don't be afraid of failing. You won't fail unless you don't start. Yes. That's the failure. The yes. key is to begin, and God will give you the grace to finish what he started yes. in you. And if I can just take, take a sentence and add to that, what drove me beyond fear of failure to doing what I never wanted to do was to write a book, and, and the Lord may never require that of me again, and I would not complain. Um, but someone said to me, the fear of God is what usurps all other fear. My God. And I will never forget a prophet of the Lord said to me, you can write it or the Lord will give it to someone else. Jesus. And fear of failure kind of melted. And the fear of God saying, you didn't do what I said, <laughs> usurped the fear of failure. So it's just keeping in, in, yeah. in perspective when God asks you to do something, you don't have a choice. And you do it afraid and yeah. you do it out of honor for him. Yeah. I'll add one other thing because I dealt so much with fear and what if I don't get it right? Um, the Bible taught me a different definition of success in Joshua. Joshua 1 talks about how he tells us over and over again, be strong and very courageous. He tells us uh, to meditate on his word day and night. Don't turn to your left or right. Don't deviate from the thing I said. And he says, if you do that, you will be very successful in all that you do. Wow. And so the true measure of success is actually obedience. So if you gain the ability to obey, you gain the, the ability to actually start, as Pastor Wallace said, then you gain success. There's no failure in obeying the Father. And when you gain that, you recognize, oh, every time I step, I'm, I'm successful. You actually redefine again what culture has said. You wait on outcomes approved. No, no, no. You wait on his voice. And when he speaks, you do that thing and you actually are successful at that moment. And so I believe it will encourage you to begin to start a lot of things that you've been waiting because you were afraid of an outcome and you receive the outcome of heaven when you simply obey mm -hmm. man who's taking the first step in yes. here amen we'll take one more one more all right this person said how did you develop the courage to talk about past embarrassments and brokenness publicly For so long, I remember, um, even if I'm transparent, I wrote this book, uh, this, the idea of permission, as a self-published book first because the Lord was just saying, write the book. And I was like, well, God, I'm not a writer. I don't know how to do this. And I remember going to my husband, afraid to talk about that I had lost my virginity early because of the shame attached to it. And I was like, babe, I don't know if I'm going to put it in there. I went back and forth. And many times we are afraid to uh, speak about what we have not actually released or we still have married to be who we are. What I had to do, Pastor Keisha, was recognize that what I did was not who I am. There are many things that you will do when you are not fully aware of who you actually are that you actually have to divorce being your actual identity. And when I came to understand that what I did was not who I am, I, I could boast all the more gladly about the things that I did right and the things that I did wrong. And I understood the power that I overcome him, the adversary, by the blood of the lamb, but also by the word of my testimony. And I recognized that if I would say that even as a 12 year old that I gave up a part of me that was most valuable then maybe some other 12 year old wouldn't have to suffer through what I suffered through it started to be so important for me that it wasn't just about me when I took my eyes off of me and recognized that there was a generation there was a little girl there was a little boy that would be encouraged in the Lord because they understood that somebody else suffered through this end they recognized that this wasn't the way then maybe I don't have to suffer through the same thing because somebody simply gave me a gift of understanding that there's a better way to gain confidence and identity and it's not found in anybody else's bedroom and so we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony was how I began to divorce being afraid to say what I actually lived through so someone else can be free you know to, oh, that's that's so powerful because it Jesus comes to the disciples after he's raised from the dead mm. he walks into the room with a group of men men who are afraid they have seen him walked with him they watched him die mm. and now he is alive in their presence the first thing he shows them is not the trophy yeah. of when he kicked the devil in the teeth yeah. and when he rescued those in paradise and when he yeah. took the keys to death, hell, and Woo! the grave. He walks in the room and the Bible said he showed them his scars. My God. You are not qualified for ministry until you have some scars. My God. And the thing that validates the and authenticates the anointing on Jesus. our life is not that we haven't been wounded. It's that we got knocked down but got back Come up. On 
and we have the evidence of the fight still on us but the fight didn't kill us and we're still telling people how good God is if you got some scars don't let the devil talk you out of the fight you are his worst nightmare by the scars you bear and you remind him can I tell you that scars remind him of the scars remind him that on Friday Jesus was dead but on Sunday he's alive forevermore and your scars remind the enemy of how defeated he is yeah 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 I think just him saying that it takes such courage to do what you did in that book and thank you for not being afraid to show scars and so can I just be crazy Devin <laughs> and let me just say I, I believe what you said free people free people and you gain authority over what you've overcome. And the scars and the story let me know that I'm sitting next to a woman who has authority to free people and who has overcome a lot of things that there are people in this room that haven't overcome. So as much as I enjoy talking before we leave this room tonight, yes, whenever we're done, I just wanted to grant permission for you to free some people impart some things, just release you to take the authority that you, you walked a journey for and maybe let someone skip some of those scars. Oh like maybe you can have that anointing of interception today. And, and you know, whatever time it is, you know at this house, you need to get your babies out of childcare. But outside of that, I just want the Lord to move. And, yes. and if there are hearts in here that are just, they're crying out for permission, I'm just wondering if maybe you would have the time to release that oil from your life Hallelujah. to some people in this room. Pastor, can I, right before she pray, can I just say, I, I, I wanted to just, I was going to leave this out there because I'm like, all right, this is a perfect landing spot, but I just feel like if I don't say this, I'm going to get in trouble with God. I, I feel like someone needs to know that your whole story matters. And that's really what they're saying up here. The whole thing matters. Wow. You know, as we're sitting here talking, I was thinking, I have, I have a, a degree, a master in theology, so I'm, I'm a Bible guy. I love, the, I love the Word of God. And I was just thinking, I never thought about this before. Who was Samuel's king? David. The story of David was written while David was alive. First and second Samuel, first and second Chronicles. Like, like David could have taken his mistakes out of the story. Where thousands, thousands of years later, all we would know about is Goliath being dead. And all we would know about is him replacing Saul. And all we would know about is his great victories. I could just imagine one day David was in the library. My God. And he said, where's the story you guys are writing about me? And they said, well, you know this Bathsheba thing, we could take this out of there. Wow. And David said, no, leave that in there. Because there's going to be someone who feels disqualified after the oil. And they're going to think that God's hand is no longer on them. My God. I want somebody that goes to redemption school to read this story and say, wait a minute. He was anointed and he messed up. And he was still anointed. Wow. <laughs> because as Samuel was pouring the oil that didn't work for any of the other brothers. If God is Alpha and Omega... Then at the same time the oil was pouring, God saw Bathsheba's bath water being poured. And God said, let the oil keep flowing. And so I asked God, why would you allow a bad king to replace another bad king? <laughs> David did much worse than Saul ever did. Yeah, yeah. Saul, you know, went and saw a soothsayer and he was tripping. And this, David slept with a woman, killed her husband, kept preaching like come nothing on, ever happened. <laughs> And God said, I'm not taking the oil. God, why would you anoint him knowing that Bathsheba was coming? He said, because I'm Alpha and Omega. Not only did I see the bath water, but I saw on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew there would be a day, unlike Saul, where David would come back and say, God, take anything, but don't take your presence. I knew there would be a day where David would write down, I try to pay for my sins, but I recognize that the only sacrifice that really hurts, is that really works, is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. I, I, I recognize that, God, if I don't have you, I don't have anything. The whole, and if David's whole story matters, so does ours. Yeah, yeah. 
You're not disqualified. That's good. You're not less than. Your mistakes don't define you. God knew the mistakes and he still called you. Yes, he did. God knew who would leave you and he still called you. Yes, he did. God knew what wouldn't work and he still called you. God knew what church hurt you have and he still called you. God's hand is on your life. It was on your life before the trial. It will be on your life after the trial. And I love that the oil is poured in the chapter before Goliath showed up. My God. Because you're not just anointed for a destination. You're anointed for the journey. My God. My God. The whole story. The whole story matters. No, oh, would you just for one second? I know we got to shift, but I feel somebody need to be reminded. Can you take 10 seconds and thank the God who is not just the author, but the finisher? He's the writer of the, my whole story matters. My, I'm not going to be silent anymore because my yeah, whole yeah, story yeah, matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to be bitter anymore because my whole story matters. And he who has begun a good work is faithful to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The whole story matters. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to ask in this room if you are one of those, oh my my, yes, if you are one of those people um, in this room that maybe before today you felt like there was something that you've experienced or there was a place you've gone or there was a thing you did or there was something you experienced that counted you out. Could you just stand where you are? Maybe if you want to be encouraged again uh, to receive the permission that God still grants you, no matter what, what you've been through, no matter uh, where you've gone, no matter what, what you experience. If you're in this room and you want to receive the next level of what the Father has said about you, would you just stand to receive in the posture of surrender right where you are? I believe that the Father has sent me all the way to Chattanooga, Tennessee to be able to remind a son and a daughter of his to know that irrespective of what happened to you, you are still called by him. God of my presence. That he'll still do everything that he promised. That even when the tears of inadequacy fall, that the God that says he's more than enough, that he'll be there. Yeah, daughter, you. Yeah, yeah, you. He'll be there to remind you of what he says about you. That no matter the abortion, no matter what you stood through, no matter what the enemy tried to say, that the enemy may take some things. But I believe that there's some people standing in this redemption family that will not allow him to take your dream, that will not allow him to take your worship, that will not allow him to take the thing that he did not die for. You were birthed by the King of glory. And I believe that as we stand in this room and we make a decision to look back up to him, that we'll take back what was rightfully given from the very beginning. You'll take back your identity. You'll take back your purity. You'll take back your confidence. You'll take back your ability to believe that he can still do more. I know he's done some amazing things. I know you might just be getting started in your life as a college age or as a, as a high school age. But I believe that the Father's going to meet you right where you are. Whether you have known him for one year or you've known him for 30. I believe that you still have more left. And the Father speaks over you even in this moment. He wrote your story. He's redeeming the lives and the hearts of those that are in this room. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing what I cannot. I thank you for going in like a great physician, for cutting but healing at the same time. Sweet Holy Spirit, would you cleanse us? Would you liberate the hearts of your sons and your daughters? Would you remind them of what you say about them? receive what you say we receive what you say more than we receive the what what the world says we allow you to be the greatest voice of truth we receive what you say we surrender to your will and to your way not thine will but my, not my will but thine will be done on earth as it is in heaven would somebody receive the song of the Lord right now would you just begin to worship would you just begin to worship would you just begin to release on the altar would you just begin to release on the altar whatever's been weighing you down whatever has been making you believe that you are less than would you receive his love you hold it all together thank you God for what you've done we say look what you've done and we stand amazed you hold it all together
stand amazed. We stand amazed. We stand amazed. We stand amazed. God of my present, God of my future, you write my story. You hold it all together. God, God of my present, you God of my future. God of my future, you write my story. You hold it all together. And I believe that I'll see the goodness of the Lord. I believe that I'll see it. I believe that I'll see it. No matter what I've gone through, no matter what I've seen already, no matter how many dark days I've had to live through, no matter how many pills I've had to take, no matter how many times he's had to rock me, I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord. I didn't, I didn't faint, I didn't give up because I believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord. I believe that I would see it. I believe that I would see it. I didn't faint because I believe that I would see it. I believe that I would see it. The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I pray that he will wipe the tears of every person in this room that is crying out to him in a new way. But I also believe that as you cry those tears, that he's cleansing your heart of, of trauma, that he's cleansing your heart of doubt, that he's cleansing your heart of fear, that he's cleansing your heart of those inadequacies, those words of inadequacy. I believe that he's saying again that you're the head and not the tail, that you come behind and no good thing, that you can do and have what I say. I pray that the deposit that will be left here is that you will have the faith enough to believe what he said concerning you. Because he's not the man, he's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should, she, he should have to repent. I can promise you this, that if he said it, he'll bring it to pass. That he sent angels, he sent angels out to do the, the, the very thing that he's declared over your life. And I believe this, that for every son and every daughter that takes him at his word, you'll see a bountiful harvest yeah. as a result of sowing the seed of a yes. Would somebody just shout yes in this room? Yeah. Would somebody just shout yes? I believe that the language of a son and daughter is yes. Yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. Yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. Yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. Father, I pray that you would bless every, every life that's under the sound of my voice, that you would touch them now from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. I declare nothing lacking, nothing missing, and nothing broken. We give you all glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody shout for Jesus in this room. The people will come to give you last uh, instructions as to how you can jump in on anything. They have more y'all want to share? Um, just really quick, we're going to close. I, Bishop, I feel like the Lord wants to deal with the spirit of shame. There are people in this room tonight of all ages and you have shame, and shame is tricky because sometimes, I had a meeting earlier, Bishop, I was speaking to a friend, and um, one, of, one of the things that came up is, a lot of times we don't recognize that the partner of sin is shame. And sometimes you're stuck where you are because of the shame that has held you hostage to the past. And I really feel like tonight the Lord wants to deal with that. Whatever that shame is, you, the shame of divorce or the shame of it didn't work out the way you wanted or, or the shame of, of, of disappointment. The Lord wants to deal with that so that you can be free to move forward in your future with excitement and with passion and with optimism. So quickly, as we close, I just want to pray for you if you're in this room. If you're in this room and you're saying, you know what, I, I, I feel like I'm being suffocated by shame. And sometimes we don't even have language for what it is. Shame that I didn't leave sooner. Shame that I endured the abuse. Shame that it didn't work out the way I wanted to. I'm going to pray for you. Just right where you are. If that's you and you say, yeah, man, I've been, I've been dealing with shame. I've been, I've been dealing with shame. I've been dealing with shame. I've been dealing with shame because of something that happened to me. I've been dealing with shame. God is stronger then the, there's more grace in him than there's shame in you. God's love is stronger than the pit of shame that you've been in. When nothing else could help, 
love lifted me. Hey, if there's a hand lifted around you, would you place a hand on her shoulder? Today, we're breaking that in Jesus' name. Woo! The power of the Holy Spirit. We break the curse of shame. The grip of shame. The devil is a liar. No weapon formed against your mind. No weapon formed against your destiny. No weapon formed against your ministry. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against shall be condemned. We condemn the voice of shame off of you in Jesus' name. No shame, no shame. No more shame, no more shame. No more shame. You can't even share your story because of the shame. We break that in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for your sons and your daughters. Your word says that you know the plans you have for them, plans to prosper them, to give them hope in the future. I thank you that the whispers of shame, that the whispers of it's your fault that it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, the blame game that it's your fault. That's broken in Jesus' name. You're getting your rest back. The devil told you it was your fault. It was your fault that it didn't work out. It was your fault that you were abused. It was your fault. But the devil is a liar. Freedom for you. Freedom for your heart. There's no shame. There's no shame. There's no shame. There's no shame. God, I gave you praise for loosening every shackle, for breaking every chain of shame. Your sons and your daughters to move forward with courage, with energy with the rest. In Jesus' name, we give you praise.